Wow, that brings back so many memories for some of you, right? <laughs> hey, uh, good morning, everyone. I uh, just want to welcome all of you at all of our campuses this morning as we're in our second week of our series, What Happy Couples Know. And before we get into today's conversation or today's talk, um, I just want to remind you of some things that are coming up and just talk about um, some things that are ahead of us this summer for our students and then also they're going to be happening in March. So as we told you last week, uh, we're doing something a little bit different with our student camps this summer and we are absolutely absolutely excited about it. Um, so you want to write these dates down. Our middle school camp is going to be July the 24th through the 26th, and our high school camp is going to be June the 17th through the 21st. And here's what's different. Because we have five campuses now, we're going to bring all of our campuses together, and we're going to have our own camp. We're going to do our own camp in-house. Uh, we're going to be holding on our Bluntstown campus. We're going to do some renovation on our Bluntstown campus um, just to kind of make those facilities uh, great for that experience for our students. And then the other thing that's happening is, is because of our partnership with North Point Ministries, we have the ability to bring in great communicators, conference-level communicators. And many of our students have heard at other camps, and uh, they'll be coming in, and they'll be spending that time with our students more up close and personal. And we just feel like that this will give also our leaders the opportunity to engage a little bit more and spend more time uh, with their students during the summer. So we're just really excited about this incredible opportunity. We think it'll create incredible synergy between all of our student ministries as they learn to know each other uh, through our summer camp process. And, and so we're just really, really excited. Now, here's another thing thing um, that makes us so awesome for you guys is we've been listening to you. Um, each year, camp just continues to continue to climb in price, and some of you are saying, hey, listen, there's just no way we can keep doing this $450, $500, $550 kind of deal. So um, high school camp is going to be $300 this year, middle school camp, $200 this year. So we've been listening to you about that as well. And so um, we just want to make sure that we get that in front of you and um, make sure you get that on your calendars, and we're excited. The other thing we're going to do is all of our camps have gone through some transitions this last year, and, and some of you on some of our campuses, or I should have said not our camps, but our campuses have gone through transitions this last year, and some of you have gone through some really difficult, tough times, and so um, just really been thinking, praying, okay, God, what, what do we need the most um, as a church body right now? And so um, what we're going to do uh, is we're going to do this thing, I don't know what we're going to call it necessarily, RCC house party, whatever you want to call it, because normally what we do is we do this big dream team appreciation in October, and many of you know the storm kind of knocked that out last year. <laughs> that didn't happen on any of our campuses. We can call it party in the park, you can call it party in the parking lot, I don't know what your campus pastor is going to call it, but here's the thing. On March the 10th, which is the day of time change, uh, we are just going to have a party on every one of our campuses, okay? They may hold it in the park in your, in your town. They may hold it on your campus, wherever. We're just going to bring everybody together on all of the campuses. Each individual campus just come together, and we're just going to do a party. We're just going to have fun. I mean, because, you know, it's like you can get through, you can be going through transitions, you can go through difficult times, and all, as I said, all of our campuses have done that. And what ends up happening is you forget to have fun. And, you know, as we sang this morning, God is so good. He's so absolutely good. And every once in a while, it's just important to stop and just say, you know what, God is good, and, and just have fun together experiencing each other and reminding ourselves that God is good and we got these incredible relationships. And it'll give some of you the opportunity to learn to know people that you don't know on your campus and, and build connections and relationships, which is what church 
is really all about. So March the 3rd, probably around 4.30, 5 o'clock, you'll get, you'll get a handout. Uh, you'll get um, also emails. There'll be all kind of information coming from your campus about the details of that. But it's just going to be a fun party time for you and your friends. And be sure and bring anybody you want. And we're just going to have a, have a wonderful time. So make sure you get that. Also, um, we're, on March the 31st, you want to make sure you put this down. March the 31st, we're going to be holding Night of Worship on every campus with the exception of you, Chipley. Um, just so you know, Chipley, you're not gonna be having night of worship on your campus. You're gonna join the Mariana campus because your lead pastor is going to be on his honeymoon. And we don't wanna mess that up. Yeah, give apply. every campus, give it up for Philip Horvath. That's right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. So uh, Chipley and Mariana are going to come together, do night of worship at every other campus on the 31st. Uh, you'll be having night of worship on your campus. And so some things are happening. Uh, we just feel like it's an important time, important season for us to come together, have some fun, come together, worship together. And, um, and we're just really excited about what's ahead for us as a church. So grab out those talk notes and uh, let's dive into today's talk. Uh, what happy couples know, this is our second week. And if this is your first time with us on any of our campuses, we are so glad that you're here. We were just glad that you chose to make us part of your weekend because we are, as you heard me say, we're in part two of a three-part sermon series entitled, What Happy Couples Know. And here's what I know. If you're like single and you're kind of tired of everybody asking you like when you're going to get married or maybe you're like this guy, you may be married or you may be single, you might be thinking, oh, I don't know if this is really for me. Well, let me just say this. We've planned this whole series with everybody in mind, whether you're a married person or whether you're not a married person, because the principles that we're teaching, they work in every relationship, but specifically, if you apply them in your marriage, it can take your marriage to a whole new level. Now, the premise that we said last week for this three-week conversation is this. The best marriages get the most maintenance. In fact, whenever you talk to couples who have the marriages that you wish you had or you, you wish you could have, th this is what you discover. They put a lot of work in keeping them and making them great. See, great marriages don't just happen. Great marriages, the best marriages, get the most maintenance. In fact, don't miss this. The difference between having like this so-so kind of marriage or a great marriage, it is this one word right here, the word maintenance. Maintenance makes a great marriage. Now, here's what we know, especially for you ladies. We, we know that this doesn't sound all sexy and romantic, but I'm telling you, the best marriages literally get the most maintenance. You talk to any couple that you admire, any marriage that you admire, and they will tell you they have a great marriage because they work on it constantly. See, there's just some things that happy couples know, and they know that to continue to be a happy couple, they have to continually work on their marriage. So last week, in week one, we looked at one of those things, and we said, one thing that happy couples know is they fight for it. And if you were not here last week, make sure you go online and watch or listen to that either on, on our website or our app. Today what we're going to do is we're going to talk about another thing that happy couples know that they constantly have to work on. And here's what that is. It is applaud the differences. Now, there is no question to any of us, whether you're married or not, that we're all different. I mean, that's just not new information. But here's what I can promise you if you're a single adult. 
we guarantee you that any married couple listening to this conversation about marriage, here's what they will tell you. They will tell you they had no idea how different they were, how different their spouse and they were until they got married. See, it's, it's one thing to manage the differences like when you're dating somebody, but it's another thing to manage the differences when you're like living together 24-7. Now, here's what you kind of know when you stop and think about it. I mean, some of those differences, I mean, they're just based on our gender. I mean, because men and women, oftentimes we communicate differently. Oftentimes we think differently about things. So some of our differences are based on personality. I mean, like some of us are extroverted and some of us are kind of introverted. Some of us kind of laid back and some of us are kind of take charge. We're all different like when it comes to our goals and our dreams and our desires and our life experiences and our life expectations. But when you get married, what you discover is all these areas that you're different in, you carry a lot of differences into this relationship. In fact, those differences, they show up in every single area of our lives. Like, like for example, you, you have differences in how you handle money. You, you have differences in what you want in your sex life. I thought I would let that one sit for just a little bit. You have differences in how you approach parenting. You have differences in how you approach recreation and, and decision-making. See, there's all kinds of differences. And so we don't need to spend a lot of time trying to convince you that you and your spouse are different in a lot of ways. But here's what we all have to understand. Our differences, and this is so, so important. This is something that Melody and I have learned over the 30-something years of being married, and that is this. Our differences... They can either strengthen our marriages or they can weaken our marriages. See, see, here's the truth. We, we all know couples who are so different but have incredible marriages. And we all know couples who are very different and they are very miserable. See, see we know couples who like their, their differences have helped them to stay together for 20, 30, 40, or 50 years. And then we know couples who, that is their excuse for divorce. They go, well, we're just so different. We're, we're so incompatible. And I just want to go ahead and say, just give testimony this morning. If there was ever a couple who are completely different, it's me and my wife. But we've learned how to applaud our differences, and now that becomes our strength in our marriage. And I mean, it's just exciting and just awesome to be married to a person who like, man, they, they, they're applauding your differences, you're applauding their differences. So I always tell people when they tell me, oh, you just don't understand how different it is. I go, hey, Melody, isn't it amazing? The sky is like blue. And she goes, no, that's aqua. You know, I go, hey, isn't that amazing color? That's kind of purple. And she goes, no, that's lavender. You know, it's like nothing that I see the way the world. You know, it's like, hey, let's just go conquer the world. And she goes, no, let's just take it easy and relax. You know, I mean, I'm very introverted, take charge. She's like very, I'm very extroverted, excuse me. I'm very extroverted, take charge. <laughs> She's very introverted. She was even telling me Friday, she said, the only bad thing about this weekend is I just have to go out and be around people again. And I think the only great thing about this weekend is I get to go out and be around people, right? I mean, that's how it works. I mean, my wife loves people, but she can only take so much, you know, and I, I just want more people, you know. I want a challenge and adventure. She wants a vacation and relaxation. 
And it, see, you get it, right? So here's the deal. The difference between couples who stay together and couples who divorce is really based on the approach they took in their marriage when it comes to handling their differences because we're all different. So, so the big question when it comes to handling your differences is this. Do you complete or do you compete with each other? Now here's the first one. When you compete with one another, what you do is you learn to applaud the differences because you're applauding the difference because you go, hey, where I'm weak, you're strong. And like, where you're strong, there I'm weak. And so together, we complete each other. See, when you have the applaud, the difference, or the complete each other, it's kind of this idea or this attitude. It's like, hey, I'm glad that we're different because that makes us better. I'm glad that we think differently because that helps us to have different perspectives, and that gives us a broader view of things. Like, you go, man, I'm so glad that we view money differently because because we view it differently, we have greater financial stability than maybe we would have without the other person. See, that's the kind of attitude that applauds the differences. One that sees their strengths as completing our weaknesses and our strengths as completing their weaknesses. Now, the other attitude that marriages take is this one, to compete with one another. Whenever a difference arises, they tend to compete. So what we do is we compete over your difference. Here's what that attitude kind of looks like. It's, you know, it's my way or the highway, or I'm right and you're wrong, or I really don't care what your perspective is, you know, or we're going to do it my way. I don't think your differences really make us better. You know, you just need to go along with whatever I say or whatever I want. And see, here's what happens. When you have this competing kind of attitude, any time that your spouse thinks or acts differently than you, in your mind, that is a problem to be fixed, not an opportunity to be seized. And here's what you'll discover. Wherever you find conflict, wherever you find division, Wherever you find fighting in a relationship, especially in marriage, you find two people who are competing over their differences rather than leveraging them to complete each other. Now, here's what we know. No married couple wants to end up spending their whole married life competing. That's why so many people get divorced. That's not why you got married. And I mean, think about it. At your wedding, you didn't look at each other in the eye and you said, I'm going to honor and I'm going to compete with you till death do us part. You didn't do that, right? But that's what's happening way too many times in too many marriages. In fact, what you did is you got married dreaming and, and you said, oh, we're going to be happy together and I'm going to love and I'm going to cherish you and I'm going to honor you to our last day. But here's what you have to understand, if that's going to happen or not. The route you take is determined by the response that you make. In other words, if you, if you want to stay together and do what happy couples know, that your intentions that you say on your wedding day, they're not worth much. I mean, every couple on the planet, I mean, they just wish that they could say those, those words and, and they would be a happy couple for the rest of life. But what makes a difference is not what you hope happens when you say those words to each other in a marriage ceremony. It's what you choose to happen that determines the outcome of your marriage. 
So whenever like differences arise in your relationship, the way that you choose to respond to each other in those moments, day in, day out, basically defines the direction or the outcome of your marriage relationship. See, see whether you applaud the differences or you attack, that's gonna shape the quality and the direction of your marriage. So the question is, how do you develop this habit of regularly applauding the differences in your spouse? Now, here's the good news. To answer that question, God has a lot to say about that. And so what we're gonna do today is we're gonna unpack for you a truth that happy couples know that help them to applaud their differences. Now, this truth is found in a letter that the Apostle Paul wrote to the church or the Christians at Colossae. And in this letter, the Apostle Paul, he gives us a list of very practical things that we need in every relationship, but especially in our marriage, if we're going to live out what happy couples know, and that is to applaud the differences. Now, let me just say this. Before we read this, and before we look at this, you need to understand that this is not for the faint of heart. This is hard work. What he says, because remember, the best marriages have the most maintenance, that this is something that you have to be intentional to work on. And here's the other thing you need to understand. You can't consistently demonstrate these qualities without the help and the power of the Holy Spirit. But here's what I'm telling you. If you will follow God and you'll lean into the power of his Holy Spirit, he will come along and he will help you to do this. And even though maybe you and your spouse are as far different on the spectrum as you can be, you can be a happy couple and God can do amazing things in and through your marriage. Now, here's the other thing. If you and your spouse, you're like constantly fighting and competing with one another all the time, you, you, your relationship is not beyond being a happy relationship. We want you to hear that today because if you're on any of our campuses, you're like, oh, I don't know if this is for us because, man, we're just, man, we've just been fighting, 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 fighting. This simple truth that we're going to tell you, while it requires the power of the Holy Spirit, it can turn your marriage around. It, it, can, it can help you to move in the direction that you want to move in as a couple, because every difference is an opportunity to grow stronger. That's what happy couples know. And if you do that, your marriage will run smoother and you'll start finding yourself responding appropriately to your spouse. So here's the attitude that you need, and I'm gonna use this word intentionally, that you need to clothe yourself with in order to complete your spouse rather than to compete with your spouse. We find this in Colossians chapter 3, beginning in verse 12, if you want to follow along in your Bibles, or we'll put the words up here on the screen. Here's what he, the Apostle Paul writes. He says, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion. Now, this word clothe right here, it's all about the kind of attitude that we are to put on when it comes to our relationships. Don't miss this. He says, I want you to put on, literally, I want to clothe yourself with some attitudes. There's different attitudes that he tells us. And here's the great thing about attitude. You can choose your attitude. You might even want to write this statement down. Your attitude is a choice. No, no matter what your circumstance is, no matter what your situation is, you still get to choose the attitude that you are going to clothe yourself with. 
And the Apostle Paul says the first part of our attitude that we need to clothe ourselves with when it comes to our marriage relationship is this word right here. It's the attitude of compassion. Now, men, don't check out on this. Because the kind of compassion the Apostle Paul is talking about, it's not like all this soft, emotional, touchy-feely kind of stuff. Here's what compassion is as he is referring to it. Compassion is putting myself in your shoes. Compassion is before I say, you know, why didn't you or you should have done this instead or the next time would you not do those kind of things before any of those kind of words come out of your mouth. He says, clothe yourself with compassion and say, no, 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 no. I'm going to put myself in your shoes, and I'm going to feel what you feel. Before I state my opinion, before I lay out a plan, I'm choosing to see things from your point of view. Now, here's a question. Is that what you do when you and your spouse has differences? Is that what you naturally do when you and your spouse have differences? And the answer is no. I mean, most of the time what we're doing is right. We're too busy making a case for why we're right and they're wrong. I mean, we're saying things like, well, you should have known not to do that. Or I told you, here's the big one. Isn't that the big one? I told you that wouldn't work. I mean, why do you always mess stuff up? Or like, when are you ever going to learn? I mean, like, you should have paid more attention to what was going on. The Apostle Paul says, no, before you say those kind of things, before you do any of that stuff that creates competition in the relationship, the first thing you need to do is put yourself in their place and see things from their point of view. Now, we're not saying that to clothe yourself with compassion means that you have to change your opinion, but what if you took the time to see their point of view, to understand where they were coming from? It might lead you to a completely different response. You might discover that, hey, what they did wasn't really wrong. I mean, they thought what they were doing, they thought it was right. They thought it was the right thing based on the information they had. And, and, and in many cases, might, some of you might think it'd be a rare instance, you might even discover that they were right and you were wrong. See, compassion is how you learn to complete one another and applaud the differences rather than to attack each other. But then the Apostle Paul continues. He says, not only do you clothe yourself with compassion, but he says, clothe yourself with kindness. Now, do you know what kindness is? Kindness is the attitude that says, I'm loaning my strength to you. I'm loaning my strength to you. I'm coming alongside you and doing something to help you carry your load. See, see, kindness is when I say, I'm strong in that area. Let me loan you my ability, my capacity, my strength, so that you can move further faster. Like, for example, kindness would say, hey, listen, I, I know that you're having a rough day emotionally. I'll just step in and give you a break. Or, hey, I know the kids are about to drive you crazy. I'll take them for a couple hours this afternoon. Good idea, guys. That might work for this evening. You know, it might make your marriage even better if you did that this afternoon. Or you might say something like this to your spouse. Look, man, I just know that work was brutal today. What can I do to help? See, kindness says... I'm not going to use my strengths for myself and criticize you like where you're weak. But every time I see you struggling, I'm going to see it as an opportunity to come alongside of you and loan you my strength to complete you. See, happy couples are marked by those, kind, those kinds of, I mean, just very tangible acts of kindness. 
on a daily basis. So the Apostle Paul says, listen, you need to put on the attitude of compassion. You need to put on the attitude of kindness. And then he gives us a third attitude, and that is the attitude of humility. Now, humility is turning my attention away from myself and putting it completely on you. See, it's the powerful act of me turning my attention away from myself and valuing you and your plans and your desires and, and your needs more than my own. Now, I want you to imagine how much happier your marriage would be if you responded to every difference in your marriage by valuing your spouse's opinion and approach more than yours or even equal to yours. I mean, imagine if every time you saw things differently, instead of trying to win the argument, you treated your spouse like, wow, that's pretty amazing what you're saying. You treated them like they were the most important person in the room. And here's what I know. You can do that because you do it all the time. I mean, think about it. When you are in the presence of somebody that you consider to be really important, I mean, you don't correct them every time they say something inaccurate. You, you don't keep interrupting them and, and changing the topic or finishing the story. I mean, you don't make all kind of like snide remarks to them about the people around them. I mean, you, you don't make demeaning or diminishing comments that kind of belittle them or, or put them down or make them look foolish. No, you don't do that. No, no, what do you do? You value them above yourself. And what do you do with that person? You give them your full attention. What would happen in your marriage if you treated your spouse with that kind of humility? What, what if in every situation you treated them like they were the most important person in the room? Guess what? Humility says they are the most important person in the room as far as you're concerned. So why not treat them that way? And you know why we don't? Because our pride gets in the way too many times, doesn't it? That's why we don't. See, it, it takes genuine humility in a relationship to value the other person as more important or as equal to us. And folks, this is hard. But happy couples learn to use the attitude of compassion and kindness and humility to complete one another instead of competing with one another. And then the Apostle Paul, he says, you also need to clothe yourself with gentleness. Now, this is a great word. Gentleness basically is saying, I'm treating you with infinite value. Like, when you're gentle, you don't come to your spouse like from your position of strength, and you're always trying to win and trying to bully to kind of get your way. No, you don't do that. When you're gentle, when you have the attitude of gentleness, you approach them based on where they are and based on their strengths and their weaknesses. In fact, let, let me kind of explain it this way. With my hand, I have the capacity to pick up a hammer, and I also have the capacity to put my contact lens in my eye with my hand. But, but you know what? I don't use the same grip when I'm taking that contact lens every morning and sticking it in my eye. I don't take my finger and punch it in my eye. Right? I mean, don't do it. No, I take this little finger, and I very gently reach up there, and I touch my eye like that, right? And that just freaks some of you out. <laughs> See, and that's how you should respond to your spouse. 
Not out of your full capacity or your full your strength, but you respond to their differences based upon what they need or where they're at. See, when you're gentle, you don't crush your spouse with your grip and leave all kind of collateral damage. I mean, like you just swung a hammer when, when a gentle finger would have just done the trick. But you know what? That's not what all the Apostle Paul tells us. He says, listen, if you're going to learn to applaud the differences, there's something else you need to put on, and that is this. You need to clothe yourself with patience. Now, do you know what patience is? And I love this definition of patience. You might want to write it down. Patience is moving at your speed. That's what patience is. It's when I intentionally... I intentionally choose to slow down to your speed and allow you to set the pace. And some of you are more like me, like you're this fast mover and your spouse isn't and, and you're constantly like driving them to make faster decisions and deal with emotions faster and process things kind of faster. But patience is saying, listen, I know we're different and I am just walking through this with you. And if, and if you need to go slow, then I'll slow down with you. You get to set the pace. Now, here's what I know a lot of you are starting to think at this point in time. You're thinking, yeah, yeah, my spouse, <laughs> boy, they don't get this stuff at all. I mean, in fact, they're, they're terrible at this. And they may be. In fact, we guys, we, we kind of tend to be terrible at the whole gentleness and patience side of things, don't we? But, but you know, the Apostle Paul, he's not done with this list. He adds some other things. And so for those of you who are kind of like sitting here and you're getting upset with your spouse because they don't have any of these attitudes, they don't clothe themselves well with any of these, this next is for you. Here's what he says. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you have a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. You know what happy couples know? Happy couples know that they have to give each other unlimited dose of forgiveness, unlimited doses of forgiveness. And they have to, why? Because differences create division, don't they? They do, don't they? I mean, differences can create hard feelings, and because of that, I mean, like, and because none of us are like perfect, and, and we have to deal with all that, at times we find ourselves in our marriages, we find ourselves competing. So the Apostle Paul says, listen, you can't complete one another unless you're willing to forgive one another regularly. And here's the attitude of forgiveness. This is what the attitude of forgiveness looks like. And you've heard us say this before. Forgiveness is simply canceling your debt to me. Like, you shouldn't have said that to me, or you were harsh with me, or you were unkind and proud and impatient, and that hurt me, or you criticized me when I didn't feel like I deserved it, and you attacked me when I thought you should have applauded me, or you scolded me like and instead of supporting me when I really needed your support. I cancel that debt. You don't owe me anymore because I forgive you. And the question becomes, well, how often should I forgive? I mean, there's got to be like some point when they should get it. And if they don't get it, then I quit forgiving them. And that how it works? I mean, like the Apostle Paul says, like you forgive them as your spouse has forgiven you. No, 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 that's not what he said. The Apostle Paul says, no, no, no. I want you to forgive as what? The Lord has forgiven you. Unlimited and unconditional. Like I'm forgiving you when you deserve it. 
and when you don't. I'm forgiving you when you ask for it and when you don't. I'm forgiving you the first time when you're impatient, and I'm forgiving you the 101 time when you were impatient. I'm forgiving you because I know the path that I want our marriage to take, and we're never going to have a happy marriage if we don't forgive. Because I'm forgiving because we're in this together. We're, we're a team, and I refuse to compete with you over our differences, so we're going to forgive. We're, we're gonna complete one another. We're not gonna attack one another. We're gonna applaud one another. And then the Apostle Paul, he concludes this and he says, now here's the primary attitude that you have to have. And we find this in verse 14. And he says, over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. In, in other words, all of these attitudes, they really just fit under the umbrella of love. Because if you think about it, love is compassionate, love is kind, love is gentle, love is patient, love is forgiving. So the Apostle Paul says, you respond to every difference in your relationship with love. And when you respond to every difference in your relationship with love, it does something absolutely amazing. It brings you and your spouse together, and he tells us, in perfect unity. And isn't that what you really wanted when you got married? For, for you and your spouse to be together in perfect unity, to be on the same page through all of your difference, to, to feel supported instead of attacked, to feel together instead of apart. The Apostle Paul says, listen, you start using love to handle your differences, and together in perfect unity is the end result. So the question is, well, what do you do with this? Because we said at the beginning of this, this is not natural or automatic to any of us. I mean, these things don't happen to us overnight. I mean, th this list doesn't naturally happen. Like, you don't naturally demonstrate compassion and kindness and humility and, and gentleness and patience and forgiveness and love. That's why we said at the beginning, I mean, this, this is hard. In fact, we go far to say is, you can't do this consistently if you don't have the power of the Holy Spirit in your life, you need God's help in your life to do this. So here's what we wanna encourage you to do as a point of application. When, when you leave today on your campus, you're gonna get a card like this on one side, it says what happy couples know, and on the other side, it lists out all of these attitudes that we are to put on. And so what we would like to challenge you to do for the next week, would you put this card somewhere that, so that you'll see it every morning? Maybe put it in the mirror in your bathroom, because guess what? You could just tell your spouse, hey, I'm putting that there so I can see it, but it reminds them to look at it too. Just a thought. Anyhow. <laughs> I mean, you could put it by your bed. You, you could put it somewhere like uh, in, a, in your closet. If you have a walk-in closet, you go in there every morning. You could put it on the dash of your car. I mean, go ahead and cover the speed limit. Doesn't matter anyhow. Most of you break it anyhow. So it's like... <laughs> I mean, just put it somewhere you can put it in your office. It'll remind you not only treat your spouse this way, but to treat, treat the other people in your office this way. And here's the thing. Every morning, like, take 15, 20, 30 seconds and pause to turn this into a prayer and say something like this. Heavenly Father, please help me today. Because what we're doing by saying this is, God, I cannot do this without you. 
But Heavenly Father, please help me today to respond with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, forgiveness, and love. Just, just make this your prayer. And guess what will happen as you say this more and more? In fact, if you said it twice a day, it gets more ingrained in your mind. What will happen is like you and your spouse will have a disagreement because of some differences that you have. And just about the time you're going into attack mode, compete mode, God will bring this list to your mind. See, God can't bring anything to your mind that you haven't hid in your heart. That's why David said, your word have I hid in my heart that I won't sin against you, God, and that I won't sin against my spouse or other people in my life. And in that moment when God brings these thoughts back to your mind, you have a choice to make in that moment. And it doesn't mean that you're going to get it right all the time, but what you'll know is in that moment, this is the right thing to do. And every time you choose to respond this way, what happens is, is you applaud instead of attack. You complete instead of compete. And what will happen, as the Apostle Paul said, your marriage will go stronger and your unity will get better and better and better. Now, this isn't like a one-time-and-done kind of thing. I mean, this, this thing takes years of focus to do, and happy couples understand that. It's why this is part of their maintenance agreement in their marriage, that they're going to keep working on this and working on this. And so you need to be asking God every day for his help. And so we want to challenge you. Will you start this this week? Because as we said before, the route you take in your marriage, whether to applaud or to attack, it is determined by the response that you make day in and day out in your marriage. So our challenge to you today is this, like stop competing and start completing. Stop attacking and start applauding. And love your spouse the way that God has loved you. See, that's what happy couples know. And that's what makes a great marriage. Will you bow your heads with me in prayer? Heavenly Father, I pray that this will become our prayer this week, that we'll come to you every day and just say, God, help me, help me, help me. Help me to clothe myself in every moment that our differences could turn into conflict and competing with compassion, with kindness, with gentleness, with patience, with humility, with forgiveness, and overall, Help me to do what love would do. God, I thank you that if we work on this and we apply this day in and day out, God, I thank you that you said that you would bring us together in perfect unity, even though we have differences. So God, we're asking for the help of your Holy Spirit and we're committing to love by putting on these attitudes that you've called us to do. And we thank you for your help. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, thanks everyone for being with us. We'll see you next week.